to the Popcorn Counter, everybody. My name is Andres Lorente. Uh, and I'm James Rizik. I'm glad you caught us at the Popcorn Counter. We've just come out of watching Dog Tooth. Um, Was there a book for that? Did did I miss it? I should have read the book. I should... <laughs> when you walk out of a film, this a film with a good ending yeah. kind of somehow sends you, sends you out of the theatre, yeah. kind of just humming, I think. Just kind of not necessarily singing the theme song, but just kind of <laughs> vibrating with that satisfying feeling of 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 tension which has been resolved um and when you see a film that doesn't quite stick the ending um i end up just kind of walking out feeling somehow unsatisfied and on edge and sometimes that feeling of being on edge sticks with me for hours and hours and today i think we're going to be on edge i'm going to be on edge for the rest of the weekend yeah so the end i've got a a spoiler alert i haven't brought the spoiler bell to the popcorn counter which is bad but okay if you have not seen the if you have not seen the 2009 film uh by yorgos lantimos uh called dog tooth then i'm going to spoil it for you at the end of the movie uh ding 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 you're gonna have to do something (laughs) that'll have to do there's a uh a character who's been um, trapped in a house for the entire duration of the film uh, climbs into the boot of the trunk of her father's car uh, and is driven out of the house but the camera just lingers on the trunk and you never find out whether she is still alive in there and about to open the trunk or whether she has died yeah. uh, it's left ambiguous and these kinds of ambiguous endings they just wind me up a little bit yeah but that said endings are hard so now, do you find endings hard? No. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm always glad to be proved wrong. I'm going to agree with you. I think like an, an incomplete ending bugs me because there, there's some films that I want to take home with me and, and think about and all that. But most films, I just want the story to be complete, really tied up nicely. That's the denouement where they untie everything and the story is there for you to, to see in its entirety. That's what I want. Um, the reason I don't find them hard is because that's usually the way I start. I, I know that final image before ah. I sit down. And it, it's, it's, a, it's a teacher thing. I'm thinking about the final project or the final exam before I start the unit so that I know to build oh. up to it, you see. So you, have to, you don't have to necessarily think backwards. You just have to know where you are going so that you can build up to that. So for me, it's it's a cardinal sin to have an unclear ending. And I know sometimes it's nice to leave possibility out there, but I don't think you want to leave too much for the for the viewer to guess. If you've got a message, you've got to tell that message completely and then they know what that film was about and they know how it ended and they can go back to their lives. It's cruel and unusual punishment to send home a viewer with some incomplete, non-concrete idea of what your film was about. So now they need to teach this in every film school across the world, don't they? Because um, I feel like the emphasis is so heavily on those initial 10 pages. People mm-hmm. feel, you know, you'll never get your project off the ground if you don't have a great initial 10 pages. And people yeah. all put all of their energy into that initial 10 pages. And I, I know for sure that there have been plenty of projects where people have greenlit it before they've got to the end of the script. Yeah. I know when we wrote Waiting, um, the the we had two producers on that project and the first the first producer who picked it up you know she told me you know i was presented with this script and by the time i got halfway through it i said right we're making this film okay you only kind of think well yeah that's great that's it's a lovely thing to hear it's a very nice thing for you to say i'm delighted that you've said that but wouldn't it also be polite to finish the script yeah. before writing the check? I just, and maybe this is one of the problems with the business in general. People don't like to read. Yes. Um, 
if you've made it to the first, you know, to the to the midpoint, if you made it for the first half of the film, then maybe you feel you deserve a you deserve a medal, and you've got other things to do with your day now. So, yeah, um, yeah, let's move on. Whereas, you know, thinking of the end before you start writing the beginning is is the exact solution that we should yeah. be encouraging everybody to take. Yeah, I think for me, and I'm not a mathematician, but it's simple geometry. You put two dots on a piece of paper. One's A, you can start there, and then one's B, and then you start drawing the line in between the two points, and you got to end up at B, folks. you got to end up at B. Otherwise, you don't have a line. A lot of people don't know what B is, or mm. people figure out what B is you know, after they've already filmed the first two-thirds of the line. Yeah. Um, sometimes that ambiguity kind of works because it sticks in the mind. I know we've talked before about Limbo, the John Sayles film from 1990. Um, David Strathairn is a... Um, a guy who's kind of caught up in a drug deal um, and uh, he and the love interest, I can't remember who it is. It might be Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio. Um, they are um, sort of stranded on a little island near Alaska. Um, and as they watch, there's a little biplane which is circling the island coming into land. And they don't know whether the biplane is the Coast Guard who will rescue them or the drug dealers who Ooh. will come and kill them. And, and the, the film you know, just leaves you in that in that kind of that limbo that's what the whole film is named after the you don't know the future and you don't know the ending and you yeah. have to walk out of the theater and it sticks in your mind um personally i'd have liked to have seen the next three minutes and at least got an answer but yeah. not everybody ends up doing that what what a well titled film then <laughs> at least they were telling you they were giving me the answer on the poster there i should have known shouldn't i i should have yeah. known Ooh, that's brutal for me. Yeah, I, I definitely. You, you want to know if the protagonists meet the fate that they deserve or not. You know, so maybe they deserve to be gunned down by the the drug dealers. I don't know because I haven't seen the film that I remember anyway. And then, um, or maybe they deserve to be rescued. And it's hard to just leave them in limbo like that. Yeah, the the alternative is that is that um you you put the ending of the film on the poster. Um, the most famous example of which I can think of, which, where the ending of the film, the very last shot of the film, you know, the last three or four frames of the film are on the poster and they're also on the book, which became uh, yeah. the film. I'm thinking of, can you guess what I'm thinking of? I can't, no. It's Planet of the Apes. Oh, yeah, well, that's kind of a, a mistake because you don't want to give away that much. Are you talking about the original Planet of the Apes? The original the original yeah. Planet of the Apes, the original, the Kirk Douglas um, Planet of the Apes. Because Oh, no, it's not Kirk Douglas, is it's, it? It's um, Charlton Heston. Is it Charlton Heston? Who it is, is it? It is Charlton Heston, yes. Charlton Heston. I apologize, Kirk. Um, the... The, 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 certainly the, the poster that I've seen of Planet of the Apes yeah. you know, is that very last shot of oh, yeah. um, the uh, Statue, Statue of Liberty. Of Liberty. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's a great shot and it's a very memorable picture. You know, it's fantastic. And it does explain in a single image yeah. what the whole film is about. Yeah. But it does also give away that great last surprise. Yeah. Oh, God. Um, it seems kind of insane. But you know what? It probably got bums on seats. Yeah. So I guess it probably did the trick. Damn you all to hell. <laughs> Um, I don't, I, fortunately I did not see the poster or read the book. That's why you don't read the books, folks. Don't do as James does. Don't read the book. (laughs) I've read, I have read the book of Planet of the Apes. It's a slim little book. Um, it's uh, great fun, actually. Good fun. And that is a great ending. I I think that is a great ending. And it does, yeah, it captures so much of the story and tells you all you need to know. So yeah, I, I think it's a mistake to put on the poster or the book cover, but good, good ending. Good ending. Birdman? 
Do you remember Birdman? Now, why why am I saying Birdman? So that is it's Michael Keaton. Um, Michael Keaton. That's yeah, it. Yeah, sort of a superhero or superhero actor, or whatnot. Who he's, he's doing a theater piece. It's late in his career. Emma Stone is his daughter. Ah, uh, I think in the opening image, he's actually hovering. He's like meditating, and I think he's hovering. So you think that he has superpowers. Um, then you go through the film. It's very banal, everyday life. He's just uh, an actor. He's not really into it or good at it. And the very, the very last scene, he, I think he jumps out of the window. So there's not this idea of whether he died or he he leaves the room. And then Emma Stone's his daughter. She runs to the window to see what's happened to him, and she's looking up at the sky. And it seems like he's flying around. Or is he flying to heaven because he's smashed to the sidewalk and ah. dead? Or, what ex- and did he actually float in that that room at the very beginning, or was did he have any superpowers? There's just so much that's um that's just not resolved, and I think that's why it's frustrating. <laughs> for me. It's pretty it's pretty interesting film because I mean again in the style it's wonderful. So there are a lot of long long takes where he's just pulling this camera through this theater and going one from scene to the next and one from rehearsal to a performance to backstage antics. So it's a really interesting uh, film, and it's largely a gag on on Michael Keaton getting his big break as playing Batman, exactly. I presume, isn't yeah, it? I think so. So it's also sort of self-referential and I don't know, it just didn't work for me. And it, it, it wasn't it wasn't a great enough film where I really worried about it for very long. So I didn't go home thinking, oh, I wish I had a better ending or whatever. I just remember thinking, oh, that happened. That was a couple hours <laughs> of my life. <laughs> clever stuff and then not a clever ending. So, there, um, Can you think of any films uh, where they really have utterly nailed the ending? Where you, where he walked out, where like all oh, those last, uh, those last three minutes, you know, are a genuine climax that explain the whole film and leave me, you know, buzzing, throbbing with with kind of excitement and satisfaction. Yeah, obviously, I mean, the last seven or ten seconds of North by Northwest, I think it's just ah, there probably six or seven cuts there that that resolve everything and take you into. Uh, Cary Grant, is it? Is that Grace Kelly? I think it's Grace Kelly's, or is that? Just uh, Eva Mary Saint. Eva Mary Saint um, takes it right into their next life with us with sexual innuendo to boot. I mean, as the train <laughs> enters the tunnel, <laughs> tunnel. Uh, the film ends, and you, in, the, in the ten seconds before that, you've seen uh, the bad guy fall off the mountain after a very tense moment with the. Uh, Cary Grant, you get a gunshot from across Rus- Mount Rushmore. Um, the microfiche has been uh, rediscovered and, and fallen into good hands. And, uh, you know, everyone's happy and safe. And then they're in love and they're going on a train ride together. Um, like seconds and a lot of resolution in just a matter of seconds. And it's fantastic. So, yeah, I think that, that's kind of like the trademark ending of a film, I believe. Yeah, it is a great yeah, it is a great ending, actually, isn't it? It's a real kind of uh, I'm not wasting your time. I'm giving you a bit of credit uh, ending, isn't it? Yeah. It's um yeah it's yeah Hitchcock uh, letting the audience join a few of the dots yeah um How about yourself can you think of another one my 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 great ending that um that I, I kind of quote um this is one from um an actor friend of mine uh who kind of recommended this film which I'd never seen uh, and he was so outraged I'd never seen it, that he gave me the DVD and you know, I bought it for me said you've got to watch this which is the long good friday oh yeah um which is it's Bob Hoskins' film. It is Bob Hoskins. Helen Mirren's in that film too. Ah, yeah, I think she is, yeah. So it's a kind of it's a London gangster film. Yeah. And I think a very young Pierce Brosnan is in it, I think, as a kind of Irish Probably, yeah. Irish terrorist or gangster or something like that. But um, my friend uh, was telling me how the, he thinks the final scene, the final shot of the movie is an absolute masterclass because Bob Hoskins has been... 
you know, he's been trying to kind of outwit his his uh, enemies through the whole film. And then at the very end of the film, he's picked up by someone in a car and he gets in the car and it's not the person driving the car that he thought it would be. And he oh. realises that he's been played. Oh. But... Um, but the whole uh, the whole uh, story is kind of played out on Bob Coskins's face. You can you just have a shot of his face in the back of the car, and you see his initial surprise, and you can watch his face as he pieces it all together. You know, and realizes that he's in terrible trouble, and then he realizes, oh wow, they've played that really skillfully. Yeah. You know, and, and um, you know, I should have spotted that, and I didn't. And oh, you know, I've I've been outmaneuvered here, but I've got to hand it to you. And he does all of that, you know, without saying a single word. It just plays out on his face. Oh. You see him go through five or six different stages of realization. It's a great little scene, and it wraps up the entire story very neatly. And you do it without anybody, any words, or anyone explaining. Oh, it was this, really. It was that guy. You should have got in this car. There's there's nothing like that. It's just Bob Hoskins' face, but wow. it's a great little scene. Very clever little way to end the film. Ah, yeah. It's, I mean, obviously, if you, you can do it visually, um, all the better. If you, I find that like, if you, if there's a bunch of explanation that comes at the end of the film, you, you're definitely in trouble because that <laughs> not even the filmmakers understood it. So someone had to go in there and do an explanation scene at the very end. So that's never a good sign. So. I mean, those those classic ones of a couple of people walking off into the sunset. Well, you know, that ain't so bad because that's where you want to end, end it up, where you can just do the ending with an image. Um, and even like Maverick, as 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 <laughs> as shameful as I am, bring that in. But you know, they're they're working on a plane together. It's a big hangar, and this family has reunited to a certain extent. And you've got you've got community, and you've got sunset and mountains and airplanes flying overhead. And it's like, yeah, that's where that film needs to end. And they ended it yeah. there. You know. It's like it's like that classic thing of you start out with a character who has a need, um, and then you know the story is them trying to fulfil that need or finding that they can't fulfil that need, and you know that's exactly what happens to to Maverick in the film. That's how it works. Yeah. That's why you get a you know a, a, a satisfying resolution at the end. Yeah, yeah. Um, another film that kind of cleverly summarises its own, you know, its its own kind of themes right at the very end is Fight Club. I haven't seen Fight Club for many years. I know yeah. we've talked about it a couple of times on the yeah. pod. I must go back and actually sit down and watch it. But that very, very final shot uh, with Edward Norton um, yep. holding hands with oh, uh, Helena Bonham Carter, Helena isn't Bonham it? Carter. That's it. Yep. Um, as all the skyscrapers get blown up around them. Yep. You know, who who could have predicted that two years later, the image of skyscrapers oh. being blown up wasn't the sort of thing that people wanted to watch on a big screen. Precisely. But, yeah, but at the time, you know, this was this kind of great subversive moment and he just makes this little comment that you, know, you met me at a strange time in my life. Yeah. And somehow you know, that one moment, the combination of the the this one line of dialogue and the visuals of, of kind of the cityscape changing summarizes kind of the, you know, the, the theme and the notion of the whole film. They've managed to compress it into that single take. It's, you know, it's exactly the right ending for the film. It's skillfully done. Disturbing too. I mean, it's a disturbing film and it comes at this point where you finally realize that the Brad Pitt character doesn't really Mm. exist outside of his own consciousness too. So it's, it's, you're still, I think the thing I like about that ending is you're still sort of in this moment of disbelief. It's like this couldn't possibly be happening. Where, where's Brad Pitt? He's the one who was really causing all the mayhem. <laughs> um, so I, it's, I think they get away with it for exactly that reason, is that it's still possibly the impossible somehow. I, I, I'm just going to mention one film, the ending for which I hated so <laughs> passionately. 
Um, it's the Libertine, which I talked to you a little bit about oh. off, off pod. So, so I remember I remember being given this script to read okay. when we were at film school, and yeah, I'm not being very impressed. But I have never seen the actual film. Oh, oof. Uh, Johnny Depp's in there. John Malkovich, Rosamund Pike. I think um, it's pretty bad. I think maybe that's what <laughs> makes the ending so bad is that it's already kind of a bad film. <laughs> Um, and I think again, I was offended because it's uh, Sir John Wilmot, the Earl of Rochester. It's his. It's sort of a biopic about this this very kind of um, well, yeah, libidinous. Um, he's probably eighteenth century, I guess, seventeen hundreds um, poet who was very almost pornographic at times, very very uh, ribald and uh, um, risky and risque writer. Um, and they make his life really boring, but he basically, you know, drunk and whored his way through his life. And he's just being overtaken by syphilis. He barely has a nose by the very end. And the problem really is that John Johnny Depp is not very good. And he's got this... Um, <laughs> Sorry, is that, is that the end of the explanation? It's just... <laughs> Just, <laughs> Johnny Depp is not very good. <laughs> well, it's, it's, a, it's. I think I know why. He, I mean, I know why he made it. It seems like a Johnny Depp role at the time. This is a bad boy, and you know, kind of historical, and it's probably it's right around the whole Pirates of the Caribbean. So he just he just kind of recycles his accent a little bit. <laughs> but at the end, the end of the film, he's just staring at the ca- ca- uh, the camera. He's done all this um, libidinous stuff and uh, debaucherous stuff, and he. Um, you do you don't really like him. It's true, and he just stares at the camera, and he just keeps saying again and again, with some modulation in the voice. He says, "How do you like me now? How do you like me now? How do you like me now?" He just says this again and again and again, and it's awful. And maybe <laughs> it's a bad ending, but maybe it's the ending that that film deserved. And it's just it's stuck with me for a long time because I actually liked Wilmot's poetry. He was one of these guys I really paid a lot of attention to in university. Um, and they kind of ruined his life, and then maybe ruined Johnny Depp's career too. I don't know where it goes <laughs> south, but it's around that time. Ooh. So, so you read the script, you probably were unimpressed enough to not see the film, and then saved yourself that time. Yeah, I, I, I can, I can remember nothing about the script at all. Actually, I think I don't know whether that gives you an indication of how bad I am at reading scripts. <laughs> I'm not sure I can point the finger and say, "Oh, people don't read." Clearly, I don't read either. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Um, just bring up one. I've got. I've made a little list because uh, I knew we would be talking about endings, but I, it's kind of. I'm not going to talk about them all. I am going to just talk about one other ending, which I think is um, pretty spectacularly great. Okay. Um, even though uh, I'm not entirely sure what the ending means, I don't think anybody um, who's watched the film knows what the ending means. And I know from having read interviews uh, with the director that they also weren't prepared to be drawn on what the ending meant. Um, But uh, the ending I'm thinking of uh, is an illuminated fetus looking down at an enormous planet Earth. Oh, yeah. Uh, at the end of 2001, yeah. there's that kind of final, it's probably 30 minutes, isn't it? The final act of 2001. Yeah. You get this, this kind of amazing sort of visual um, panorama of Doug Trumbill's kind of lighting effects. Yeah. Uh, as um, Keir Delay travels across dimensions. And then um, I showed it to the children fairly recently, actually, just for like the final eight minutes of the film. Because it's only about seven shots, I think. So it's very, very economically told. Yeah. This little story of of Keir Delay getting out of the 
the escape capsule from the spaceship and then you know he sees himself a few years in the future again and again and again yeah. and you know, and eventually you know he's looking at himself dying in bed and then you cut to this this kind of baby looking at <laughs> looking at the earth yeah and it's you know uh, utterly um unexplained um, and yet also somehow manages to encapsulate everything that has gone before it. You know, this is a film which kind of glosses over the entire history of the human race and yet encompasses it you know, within a single, a single cut. Yeah. Uh, it's a film which is you know, about the infinite. Um, and how do you end that? Um, and so you kind of end it with this um, ambiguous and visually arresting, but sort of without content shot of you know a baby and the earth and it's not clear whether you're supposed to think you know, is the baby nearby is the baby the same size as the earth yeah is the baby imagining the earth is the earth imagining the baby are we seeing two different things and just being told they are similar mm. um and i can remember reading about the making of this sequence um and them having this really big problem because the baby was made out of fiberglass and rubber and silicon or something like that and just looked absolutely terrible oh, wow. and they um they kind of uh went to great lengths to try and get the baby to like to to blink its eyes or move its hand a bit and it just looked absolutely terrible huh. so they had to light it like from within and from behind so yeah. that you couldn't really see many details on the baby yeah. and um a little bit like uh Spielberg's story about Jaws, the fact that the shark was so bad they couldn't show it. I think this yeah. is part of the reason why the ending of 2001 works so well. The baby was actually so bad and weird that they kind of couldn't really show it to you in any naturalistic way and it ends up seeming kind of dreamlike and otherworldly. It's, huh. I think it's remarkable. It's kind of utterly devoid of meaning and yet also summarises the whole film. It's just genius. Yeah, I think it's brilliant. I, I think the, for me the meaning's all right there. It's just that... Um life ends in the in the beginning of the next life and that you know that baby could even stand in for the planet which you know was f- 4 billion years old when um when kubrick made the film still about 4 billion years old um and still sort of an infinite self you know there's a lot of life to follow us i think and i love the fact that 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 film works on such a grand scale that seeing something so tiny you think of the size of that fetus in in reality something so tiny in space can represent the next generation, the next, uh, next uh, adventure for all of humanity. And it's just a tiny little part of the whole universe. I think that ending nails it entirely. So for me, that's just a great ending. I don't, I don't find it ambiguous at all. You, you definitely have to think on a different time scale to really appreciate that ending, I think, is that we are just a blip and there are going to be a lot more blips until it adds up to this big, big bang again. And uh, I like that ending. Yeah, that's good. Um, I'm afraid I'm now going to spoil that ending for you because oh, no. <laughs> um, as, as part of uh, part of my membership of the Two Real Cinema Club book club, I read as a boy the Marvel Comics adaptation of 2001 A Space Odyssey. Yeah. Uh, so the whole film was then turned into a comic book, like it's really big, large format comic book, which my older brother bought and which I read avidly. And at the end of the yeah. the comic book version, um, it goes to great lengths to meticulously explain exactly what happens in that scene. Okay. And so there's like a little, there's a, a, like a little narrative box which explains that the aliens have created a new species of human which is able to choose its own parents before it is born. And that's what the fetus in space is. Oh, 
Boy, which I, ut- utterly ruins the mystery of that, which is also complete nonsense. I have no idea where they came up with this idea. <laughs> I, c- I can only presume the the editors at Marvel thought we can't end on something ambiguous. Oh Kids need a proper ending. You've got to do the ending right, and so they they wrote their own spurious, made up, ridiculous ending about uh, a baby who can choose his parents. Yeah, either I got it very wrong or they did. <laughs> and I'd like to think it's they're the ones who got it wrong. I think it's they. Mm. Right, I'm so I'm so furious about Dogtooth's ending now. I think we yeah. should go and eat more popcorn. Yeah, I mean, how do you end a popcorn counter like this? <laughs> I mean, I guess you just stop talking. Just stop talking, I suppose. How do you like me now? <laughs> how do you like how, me now? How do you like me now? <laughs> how do you like me now? How do you like me now? <laughs> <laughs>